Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. My name is Sekou Lalo. And I'm Maxine Paul. And we are pulling back the layers of black male humanity to look at what's true, what's authentic, what's deep. Co-creating space for black men to explore their humanity, blackness, maleness, and everything in between to fully introduce themselves. Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. Today we have the honor of welcoming Bill Weeks. Is it complicated or is it simple? Bill Weeks is a family man concerned with the basic necessities and basic needs in life, being a good person, being good to others, and striving to be better along the way. Sometimes it's just not that complicated, or maybe it is. Come join us for another episode and find out. Let me introduce myself. Well, good afternoon, Maxine Paul and Bill Weeks. This is Let Me Introduce Myself podcast, where we are focusing on Black men and pulling back the layers of identity and protection to explore our most authentic selves. This is all about being honest and keeping it 100. And mm-hmm. today we have the honor of introducing to some and somebody that I know myself, Bill Weeks. He is out in L.A. So we want to say thank you and welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. Okay. Uh, hello, Seku and Maxine. I'm actually in Northern California. Okay. Uh, you, you said Los Angeles, which is fine. But, you know, we have a thing going here in California, in <laughs> Northern California and Southern California. Yeah. I don't that's what be associated with those folks at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, it's not the time for the yeah, we'll Tell that to some of the leaders. That's right. So, yeah. So thank you. It's an honor. I'm glad you asked me and I look forward to having a good, engaging discussion. Yes. Right. So let's start it off. In this discussion, the biggest thing we ask for is really to let Black men introduce themselves. So we're going to start out by saying, hi, Bill. I'm Maxime. I would like to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Oh, well, so that's like the toughest question for me because I hate talking about myself, which is, you know, things like, well, why be on the show? But I am a a husband, a father, and a brother, and I am been on this earth over five decades. It's going on six now. I'm just a guy, guys trying to be a good father, be a good husband, walk closer with the Lord when I can, be a good friend, leave positive steps on this earth. And just be someone that when I move on to whatever the next chapter is in terms of the afterlife, people say, hey, you know, he was, he was cool. I liked him. He didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't waste my time. He wasn't a jerk. Not all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's about it. Trying to improve myself, too. I think at some point, everyone reaches a stage in life where they decide that that is who they are and that's cool. Or that is not enough and they want to get better. And there's nothing wrong with either choice in my book. I would like to think I'm the one who likes to get better. That's about the best introduction I can give in terms of self-describing who I am. Uh, like I said, you're going to have to ask some questions because I'm not going to talk about myself on my own. No, we got you. Thank oh. you very much for starting it off. <laughs> That's a good introduction, and we definitely have some questions for you, and hopefully we hear the good stuff. I'm going to start out with a question that is not often asked of the Black man. Mm-hmm. but we are really intentional about that. So my first question is, how are you feeling today? How are you really feeling today? That's a loaded question. Do you mean health-wise? Do you mean mentally? Do you mean in the, my place on earth or in this nation? Do you mean whatever, underneath Whatever these... you're compelled to share. Well, my initial, response, my initial response is nobody cares. 
whatever I'm feeling about myself, that's between me and myself, and I need to make sure that it's optimal to get done what I need to get done. Mm-hmm. There may be people out there who care about me, and that's great, and there are, but ultimately it's up to you in regards to what kind of effect or actions or results you're going to have out of any particular day or any particular moment. So I don't really like to dwell on how I feel. It's more like, what do I need to get done? Only because there are times and places for that question, but I don't really have that at the top of my list in terms of introspective reasoning or results. You know, and I'm not a very introspective person for the most part. I like to be self-aware, and I probably could spend a lot more time on that. But like I said, I don't particularly want to spend time on myself as much as I want to spend time on getting results for myself, if that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know if I necessarily want to let you off the hook with that. Well, I feel good. I mean, the, the world is coming apart. You know, my vitals are, are looking good. I'm using the time to exercise and I haven't done any reading yet, but that's going to come. We've been gifted with time in terms of this COVID-19 crisis, and I'm trying to make the most of it, but I'm trying to keep mentally balanced, too. If you turn on the TV for more than 30 seconds, you're going to see a president out of control, people in my hometown dying, people in the town I live in walking around in mass, and we're all waiting for bodies to start dropping. So I'm not going to focus too much on that, although I feel I'm trying to get prepared for the worst that is to come. Okay. Maybe we will circle back. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back off, man. Good stuff. All right. Now, we want to understand a little bit more about what makes you who you are. What makes you uniquely built? Well, I'm no different than anyone else. I'm a product of my parents and my family and my experiences. My mom and dad were strong-willed, very smart, loving individuals who grounded our whole family with a sense of pride and purpose in regards to, I don't want to say being good people, but doing the right thing and taking care of the people around you. In that regard, that's where it begins and ends for me. I've carried them in my heart ever since I came out here. I came out here over 30 years ago to California, and that's a long way from home. And I've met a lot of good people, and And I planted some roots here, and I have a great family. And those are the flowers around the tree, if you will. I'm at a stage now where the kids are off on their own. They're doing their thing. I've got two grandkids, and they're growing up in the apocalypse. (laughs) And I'm at a point where, like I said before, I, I need to focus on myself a little bit more and try to get a little bit better day by day. I've got some things I need to do personally just in terms of career-wise and maybe planning for what's left of the little future that I have. <laughs> I joke about that. It's, uh, that attitude is something that I joke a lot about, but none of us know when our time is up, no matter what your age is. And it happens every day, but I'm seeing stories of 38 and 40-year-olds dying. And any of the first responders, those folks are mostly young folks that are out there putting their lives on the line. So I don't remember your original question, but hopefully I filibustered enough for you to forget about it and we can go on to the next one. (laughs) Yeah, you got enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the next question, and feel free to delve into it as much as you feel. What are the different roles that you play in your life? Why and how do those roles impact who you are and your identity? So what roles do you play? Why and how do those roles impact who you are? Like I indicated before, they're a part of who I am. 
be it a husband, be it a, a father or a brother or someone at work that can give advice to people who are willing to accept it. Each of those roles, I don't approach them differently, if that makes any sense. You might make an argument that maybe I should, but just being supportive, loving, trying to listen, give good advice, push back when it's needed. And each of those components, it depends on the person. You can push back with my sister versus pushing back with my son and get two different outcomes or two different discussions. And you need to take their individuality and their personalities as well as your historical love for each other into account when you're doing all of these things. So in that regard, it's the same components, but it's different outcomes and different responses with the people we're talking about. If the discussion with my daughter is gonna be a different discussion than with my son. And we all have different relationships. In terms of how it reflects on me or, or defines me, I'm one of those people who think that if you just show love and use that as your main tool, if that's your tool and that's what you lead with, you're going to have a good outcome most of the time. Not all the time, but listening, of course, and being empathetic and all those go hand in hand. When it comes to raising kids or having relationships, if love is at the forefront, more likely than not, there'll be a positive or a righteous outcome. Let's put it that way. So are you saying that those roles, the way they define you, they define you as a loving person? Well, of course, you'd get some pushback from all those folks that I just described, but I would hope so. Mm -hmm. Love is defined in many different ways. I mean, I am very sarcastic, but that's how I show love. Now, many people in my life have not figured that out, <laughs> but I think you know that. If not, we have some work to do and I can help with that. Yeah, I would hope that that would come up if someone were describing me. It may not, you know, I'm not a lovey-dovey, I'm not like a Joe Biden kind of guy, crying and hugging and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But I would hope somewhere in their description of me or, or my relationship, that would come up. Gotcha. And now, what is your relationship with other Black men and how is it? And then other Black people that are not men? It depends on where you are in life. I heard this comedian a couple of weeks back, and he was making fun of his dad, which I guess is sort of a role that dads have played over the years. But one of the things he said was his dad didn't have any friends. And what I've discovered just in terms of life is that along the way you lose friends and then you're less willing or may not be in a place to make as many friends. So to answer your question in regards to relationships with black men, I have close relationships with a few black men who are my brothers. I don't have a biological brother, but they're my brothers. And they are family. So that's one type of relationship. That's the kind of relationships I have with black men now. And I'm not competing for anything. I'm not a lawyer trying to climb up the ladder or I'm not in that stage of life where I'm trying to accumulate things to show that I'm successful or trying to accomplish things in the community as part of giving back or any of that stuff. I should be doing that, but I'm not. So I love my brothers. I love black men. I, I know what they go through. I know the lack of credit we get. I understand that we are the face of crime. I understand that whenever it comes to a whipping boy, they do look for black people first and usually black men. I understand all that. I understand that we have not done our part as much as we should have when it comes to black women and families, but I think that's changing and I hope it is as far as the generational shift that's going on. So that's sort of a complex question, but 
on slave ships, there had to be some sort of feeling of camaraderie at some point in that voyage. Now, whether or not it deteriorated along the ride is another question. I still feel that same way about black men and black people in general. Mm -hmm. I respect black women. I love black women. I think God's underappreciated gift to mankind. They're still doing the bulk of the work in the community. Things could be better between men and women, but I'm not here to carry that torch. I can just do what I do with the people I know and the people I love. I'm hesitant to talk in terms of generalities because that's not fair to black people as a whole and black women in particular. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, that's a good segue into my next question, which is, well, sort of a good segue. Something you said earlier made me think about this question. What dreams have you had do you have that you feel were hindered specifically because of you as a black man? Were there experiences that you can account for over the course of your life that you feel particularly your blackness was a barrier to your opportunity or opportunities? So I'm going to preface this by saying you're not going to like this answer, but I don't care. Whenever I think about that, I stop thinking about that because that's out of my control. I can only do me. I can only be me. I can't change racist people and their vendettas against black folks. I might be able to change some of their attitudes in terms of their interactions with me, but I can't stop and think about the what ifs. And the other part of that question is, when has your blackness been a negative? Well, if it has been, it's been far more exceeded as a positive by my black experience growing up in this racist country. So if you're a black person, you have to know white people. If you're a white person, you don't have to know black people. Who gets the benefit of that? I know black people and white people, and I know they're all human. White people think we're animals or we're thieves or we're whatever. Well, who's the ignorant idiot in that scenario? So I don't think about some dream that's been denied. That's just feeding into, I hate that negativity thing. Yeah, I'm not on the negative tip, man, brother. Um, that's just feeding into something that's not useful for me. So I don't think about that too much. Okay. I would push back on that a little bit because I think there are specific opportunities that, you know, when we do find out, oh, wow, this happened. This was a roadblock because I was a black man. So I didn't get that opportunity, but somebody else did. And I understand how you assess it. I still wonder if there were some explicit moments where that was a reality that you are aware of, even though you don't process it like that per se. Was there an instance where that was, oh, wow, I found out, dude, I would have got that if I wasn't. Yeah, and, and I'm sure and there have been instances of that, but I can't get inside someone's head. I don't know for sure, although sure. I suspect, and I think if I were a different color, then it might have gone a different way. But I can't, I, you know, it's like that person is an idiot. If they didn't pick me or I didn't get that opportunity because of who I am, mm -hmm then that opportunity was not for me and I didn't want to work for that person or work with that person or they were not conscious enough or aware enough to see what a wonderful opportunity my presence would have been in their crappy little life. I've had that feeling and I'm sure it's been the case, but again, there's nothing I can do about it unless I'm launching a lawsuit or something like that. I don't know what I do with that information. Hey, Norm, you know, they picked that dude, man, because he was a white man. They, they brought your color up in that meeting, and they just didn't go with you. What am I supposed to do with that? Gotcha. You know, I'll ask you something a little bit more creative, and especially for a sarcastic person. 
Mm-hmm. What is something that you hold in that you would love to say that you just don't say? Or do you just oh, say everything? Right. Just, I mean, I'm, I work in an office environment, which is a bad thing for me. I can't come up with any specific examples, but it happens all the time. And I do have to censor myself and I'm pretty good at it. I'm one of those guys who, if I have a choice between being mean and being funny, I'll choose funny every time. But if I'm being mean and funny at the same time, sometimes I'll let it ride. (laughs) So I'm sorry. I mean, that's a good question. And I don't have a real solid answer for you. I've just been around long enough and I have enough of a sense of the room and sense of people. You know, some people can't, uh, some people cannot take humor or cannot take jokes. And occasionally people have come up to me and said, hey, you know, you're joking around a little bit too much for my taste. And it's not my intent to harm. So typically I apologize and, and I stick to knock-knock jokes with those folks. And I cannot tell a joke. There's one joke I can tell, and I'm not going to tell it here. It's not a dirty joke. It's just an easy joke. But I can't tell jokes. But I can tell jokes based off of conversation or be um, spontaneous or improvisational. That's where the humor comes in for me. And of course, knowing people and knowing their weaknesses and being funny about it, not mean about it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a whole brand of comedy. People are just seeing stuff and commenting Mm -hmm. on it. Observational comedy. I just learned this like last year. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do that in, in... Yeah, I, I used to do that when I was a, when I was a kid in New York, and we we'd go out and I'd sit mm-hmm. in uh, sit in a in, in a restaurant window or something and make fun of people yeah. walking by. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't know it was a, an actual a brand. I'd seen that HBO special yet, but <laughs> yeah, no, it is a. I only know it because I learned it from New Yorkers okay. that um, from the Bronx. They have a show. It's called Jesus and Miro, and they said their brand of comedy is called observational comedy. Okay, who's the guy? Jesus and Miro. Oh, Jesus and... Oh, yeah, they have yeah. a podcast. They have a they? podcast yeah, and they have a yeah. show. And that's all okay. observational comedy. They see and experience things and they just talk about it. All right. I'll have to give that, that podcast another shot. I, yeah, I listened yeah. to it once. It was it was not my, my taste, but... Exactly. For me. There's different styles of it, you know, of observational mm. comedy. Okay. okay. I'll have to check that out. Thanks yeah. for that. Another question for you. What does it mean for you to be free? Do you feel free? And what does it mean for you to be free? What, what does that look like for you? Well, I am not bound, but, well, I am in certain ways. I mean, financially, you know, I, this, this two-week period of living like a retired person is, like, really cool. <laughs> it's like you have two weeks of freedom. Um, because at my job, I, I'm doing the 2020 census, they had to pause things, and they gave us two weeks with pay while I figured it out. So I'm not officially unemployed. It's just that I will be unemployed. But that was always the case because this is a limited time operation anyway. Right. But back to your original question. So I've experienced a freedom of a sort in this two-week time period. So what does it mean to be free? It means to just be able to do what you would like to do without any ramifications of your decision to do what you want to do in that time. But you're just doing what you'd like to do. You know, like many things, it can be a double-edged sword. You can have too much freedom. They just take a child if you give them too much freedom. They'll end up burning themselves on the stove or something. Mm. So I don't feel like I'm not free. But I have things I, I have to do just because, you know, we all have to work. We all have to pay the rent and things like that. So I, I think the freedom I think about is financial freedom more than anything else. From an emotional standpoint and that kind of thing, 
I don't wake up in the morning singing old Negro spirituals because I'm feeling bound. <laughs> as much as I bitch and moan, I have a good life at this point in time. My life is such as that things change at different points in time. So right now, today, to go back to your original question, how are you feeling today or whatever that question was? Mm -hmm. You know, I feel pretty free. I'm just not thinking that anything I'm not free about, here's your answer. Anything that I don't feel free about is due solely because of me, okay? It's not some external force stopping me. I'm my own worst enemy. I'm my toughest competitor. The guy in the mirror is my toughest opponent. Mm -hmm. And if there's some freedom not being experienced, it's because of that dude in that bathroom in that mirror. I guess what I'm asking too is in an ideal world, if you could create that world for yourself, Bill, say this is what freedom looks and feels like for me. If you could construct that yourself, I know what our realities are. I know kind of how we need to function in light of what's going on in our context, but like for you, what does that look like for Bill to be free, ideal world? This is one of those questions that I don't think about because okay. it's too esoteric. It's, it's not a reality-based question. And now I understand that if you come up with those ideals and go for them, then it becomes a reality. And that may be a weakness in my logic or my thinking. But I don't indulge in that kind of thinking. And that is probably not a good thing. And because I don't pursue those ideals, when I come up with them, I don't come up with them. That may be a bad thing. I mean, if you were a psychiatrist, you would say, well, uh, Mr. Weeks, how does that make you feel? I'm not a dreamer in that regard. Maybe I should be a little bit more. But that's what I think you're talking about. What are your dreams? You asked that question. I ignored it. I'm doing it again but I'm not that kind of a dreamer and pursuer of dreams. And then when it's like, well, how come you haven't realized your dream? Well, there's your answer. No, that's real. There's an interesting way to talk about this. I just I actually just talked to my grandmother about this hmm. and she's 89. And I asked her, you know, a lot of things are changing because of this pandemic. Like mm -hmm. people are getting access to a certain levels of freedom, even though we are under like kind of like an attack by an invisible enemy. And all the things that we saw, letting people out of prison, they're like canceling rent, mortgage, they're telling pollution's going down. A lot of things are changing. Do you see this as a, a positive change or a long lasting change? Or do you think as soon as this is over, we're gonna get back to operation in the same way? I thought about this point in time a little bit. It's too soon to assess, I think. We're in the yeah. middle of it. It's, yeah. like, it's like talking about a baseball game in the fifth inning. You know, where historically do you think this game will be? Well, we're only in the fifth inning. There is and has been a psychological change going on in the country because of this. I don't know what it is, and I don't know if you can bucket it into certain effects. And speaking for myself, it's like, well, now I'm in that movie I've always watched where the world's coming to an end. <laughs> now what? <laughs> So I think just cyclically, there'll just be this period of time where we'll go through the death and mayhem, and that's where we're at now. And at some point, you won't be able to ignore the stuff you see on TV. And you'll stop, and you'll tune out, and you'll go into denial or whatever it is. And then it'll subside, and then it'll be like 
already in like 1999 because we've all survived. So there'll be all of that apocalypse sex and all that stuff going on. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, it may come back, but things will be different. There's going to be people always walking around with masks now. Some of these things, someone I was listening to news this morning said, once you get people who didn't have ability to get unemployment, unemployment and pay time off, it's going to be real hard to take that back. <laughs> so in that regard, hopefully that'll be some of the positive things that come out of it. So like I said, I haven't assessed it all. I'm sort of observing as not only myself internally, but externally. And the time is not good for everyone. And the isolation is not good for everyone. So I said to myself how solitude can be maddening and peaceful. It depends. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. It will change things for sure. I have no doubt about that. I just don't know how and why. And I'm curious as to see what happens to me. I mean, I've been exercising more than I have at any point in the last probably five years. When I get back on the right court, there's going to be some serious ass kicking being done by me. So in that regard, I'm curious. I want more time. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to Next week, they're going to decide whether or not we're going to come back or what they're going to do or lay, lay off. I mean, I want more time with pay, I should say. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. I hate saying that because Trump always says that. He's like, he doesn't know what else to say. say we'll, we'll see what happens. In this case, we will. we will. Hopefully, if we're all around for it. I feel guilty about resting so much. <laughs> I feel like I, should, like I should be doing something else and out being busy. But, you know, I appreciate it. I, and I'm enjoying it. I've had my own share of kind of anxiety around... Mm -hmm particularly like when I watch news at nighttime or whatever, right. mm -hmm. and I kind of wake up with it. I don't know if I asked that question, but like, are you experiencing any anxiety or fear from like watching all this news, knowing that we don't have the best leadership in the world? So I would say yes to all of that. I'm also, <laughs> I, was, I live in this sort of upscale neighborhood in a suburb of Oakland, I'll call it. These people would hate to hear that because they're all white folks and want to be associated with Oakland. But anyway, this woman was walking down the street in her slippers and pajamas and uh, her robe. You know, probably going from one relative's house to another or something like that. And I just was looking at her saying to myself, six feet, six feet. Just <laughs> nice little old lady. And I thought it was like in the Walking Dead movie. It's like, if she get any closer, I'll give her a headshot. <laughs> you know, because everyone is a potential carrier of this, they call them vectors, potential carrier of this virus. So to answer your question, I look at white people the way they used to look at black people. Anybody could be carrying this. And of course, in my mind, it's like, well, the brother, he's, he's probably okay. But nonetheless, I, I have, there's been some anxiety. So one of the things that when you're under a lot of stress or anxiety uh, or depression, is an inability to concentrate. And I have had that. There's some things, you know, you know, when it was first announced, you're going to be staying at home. And it's, oh, my, man, that to-do list will fuck up that to-do list now. And then <laughs> three days later, you have the to-do list. is just standing over your bed saying, yep, I got you again. So I haven't been able to do a lot of things I should be doing, but I do them a little bit at a time. But like yourself, I've taken me time to the point of being very serious about it. And that's why I say I want more time. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. And, and I think a lot of people go into that stuff. That I, I'm in this chat group at work that this woman formed just before we all left. 
and you can see there's some people who are dying to get back to work. They just got too much time on their hands, I guess. So it's affecting all of us differently. I haven't been super productive. I've gotten some things done. Mm -hmm. There's an argument to be made that with 20% unemployment, it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going back to work. And as I told my son, who thank God is in IT and is indispensable, I believe. I said, if it's 20% for white folks, son, it's 40% for us. So, But that's not ever a reason to give up. But it sure is something you don't want to think about when you start, when things do return to normal, because you do know we'll be the last ones to get back to where we were, which is not all that good to be thinking. Good. Thanks for sharing that. I've been kind of making up questions lately. Okay. <laughs> I'll just let you know that. Um, sure. I kind of want to understand because I think you have a really interesting perspective, especially concerning the way that you've answered questions differently than our other guests. And I think it's important to understand, you know, from the beginning of this conversation to now, is there anything that's changed in how you see yourself? Because this part of our goal is to like have us learn, you learn, and then the people that experience these story learn. Have you learned anything about yourself or saw anything different in yourself as you've been asked and answered these questions? No, not particularly. Because I don't like to examine myself or talk mm -hmm. about myself, yeah. I'm not paying attention to what I'm saying. <laughs> so, you know, I already mm -hmm. know me. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's good and bad. I mean, that, what you're hearing is someone whose propensity to change and self-evaluate is very stubborn and very set. I would like to think it's set at a point where it's manageable and good for most of the people in my life and myself, but there's an argument to be made. This is where I hear in the back of my head, man, you need a professional coach, man. You need somebody to come on, you know, get you motivated and get you going, set some goals for you and all that. And they're probably right, but I'm not calling any of those people. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, there's no self-evaluation uh, or no self-realization going on as we have this conversation because I think I sort of already know mm -hmm. me and the things I don't know about me, there's probably a reason for that. Yeah. And even if I were going to go down that road, I don't know if this would be my forum for doing that. Mm -hmm. No, that, that makes sense. And I think I really appreciate that. Usually sharing that and you, you are you. A lot of people always kind of bend to mm -hmm. the questions and what, what things are doing and you are like you, you know, and I really appreciate that and it's valuable. Yeah, it, makes, it actually makes me think about, I don't know if you know how they would normally assess the Nielsen ratings. When they do the Nielsen ratings for, like, if you get a device in your house, mm -hmm. whatever you represents 10,000 other people. And so that's why I think it's great to hear your perspective, because I think there's a lot of people out there that are in a similar space that can appreciate your views as well, which I think is great. And I'll close by asking this question. I know this is, this is an interesting question because we kind of stuck in our houses, but what kind of support do you feel like you need in this time in particular with this COVID-19? What kind of support do you feel like you need, if any? I am Rambo, man. I need toilet paper and wine. That's it. I'm good. <laughs> Where we're at here, and in fact, one of the things that's happening, I don't know if it'll continue, is that we're not seeing in the Bay Area what we're seeing in New York. They say it's coming. We locked down like two days before everybody else. And I think that might have made a big difference. The other answer is that, of course, is, is God. This is a time to walk closer with God. 
whether or not I'm doing that effectively is open to question. But if you're not turning to God now, at least a little bit, then maybe it's something you ought to reconsider. These are going to be some very interesting times. And what I hope doesn't happen is that the stuff I see on TV hits the people I love. Then we can talk about support. That's good. Yeah. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time, your insight. I know that's something me and my wife discuss is like later today we got to talk about if this affects our family, what is going to happen? What do we have to do, <laughs> if anything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so uh, that, that hits home, and I really appreciate your time again. Yeah. Um, thank you for coming on and introducing yourself. Thank you for having me, but I enjoyed the conversation, mm-hmm. and I uh, hope this is something you guys continue to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We appreciate it, Bill. All right. Signing out, let me introduce myself. Bill is a dope brother. As a grandfather now, Bill knows himself. But he is still looking for ways to grow and keep a thoughtful curiosity. The really interesting thing is that we recorded this episode of the podcast at the end of March 2020 right at the beginning of the U.S. lockdowns in the pandemic. The interesting thing is how many things still ring true. He is keeping centered and keeping himself in shape, while also trying not to let the negatives around him impact him. I hope we all take the time to know who we are and look for opportunities to grow in this time of extraordinary transformation. This has been another episode of Let Me Introduce Myself. Just a note, we're moving to releasing the episodes every other week to give us some time to breathe between productions. We have many more great episodes coming soon, so stay tuned.